I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Well, hello and welcome to Handpicked by High Performance. This is where Jake and I go and delve into the archives of some of the hundreds of interviews that we've done, where we select just one that's piqued our interest and go and explore it a little bit more in detail. So, Jake, who have you chosen today? I have chosen Will Ahmed, the CEO and founder of Whoop. And the reason why I've chosen him is because I have a lot of respect for people who are CEOs as well as founders. Um, I love people that think big and see something that no one else sees. Um, And also he's not someone who shies away from the fact that at times on his journey of entrepreneurship, there's been struggles, there's been challenges. He has felt overwhelmed um, and he's had to find the tools to deal with that. So I think this is not a conversation for people who are not entrepreneurs or not in business to think, well, it doesn't, doesn't relate to me. This is a conversation that relates to everyone. And, you know, Will is a guy who has built a business valued at multiple billions of pounds. And in many ways, that leaves me cold. It's not about the financial stuff. It's about the processes he's gone through to do something that I know lots of people dream about and very few people manage to do. So how much of this episode then was almost, from a selfish point of view, you you listened to him from some of the similar perspectives of being the founder of a couple of businesses, yeah. sort of running them, being under pressure, all those things. What was it that stood out for you? The whole the whole thing was selfish for me. I was <laughs> I was just keen to probe and to understand. I think there's a big difference though between Will and me, and this is why, apart from the size of the businesses that we've created, right? This is why I was in, interested to have this conversation with him is because I'm a bit of a cheat when it comes to being an entrepreneur, I think. You know, so there are a number of businesses that I've invested in and advise and help and work with them, but they all have a CEO that has to actually make the decisions. Right. They have to live or die by those decisions. You know, high performance is now a business with quite a few team members turning over a decent amount of money. Therefore, there's a bit of pressure and I'm not the CEO of high performance because I found someone who is an amazing CEO 
and hired them to come in and, and run this thing. Um, and at Whisper, you know, a much bigger business than High Performance, a much smaller business than Whoop. But again, the guy that I co-founded it with is the CEO. And so I have huge respect for people that have the entrepreneurial spirit to think of a great business idea, have the bravery to decide to take the plunge and to go for it, right? I can relate to both of those two. But where the real respect comes from is the, the area where I am, in all honesty, probably um, too much of a wimp to take on myself, which is actually the running of the business, actually the being the CEO actually very easy to do what I do which is like come in sprinkle a bit of joy you know pick up on a few things that could be better praise people for the stuff they've done that's great but at the end of the day I can turn around to a CEO and say make sure that you deliver on those KPIs or those plans or those future projections whereas people like Will they have to also do the delivering. Well should we listen to his first clip then? Yeah let's uh, let's get into a bit of Will Ahmed here he is. You want to be very decisive about the things in your life that you're you're orienting yourself towards yeah and i think for the most part uh desires can be highly motivating they can be very clarifying uh it's just you want to be mindful of how many of them at the same time are you after and how are those pulling at each other so why did that clip resonate the reason why i wanted to start with that is because i actually think and you know i would love people who dream of an entrepreneurial life to listen to this conversation and realize that when you are thinking of a business idea or thinking of a plan or you have a dream, the fact that you are entrepreneurial, right, in my opinion and my experience, actually means you've got six, seven, eight, nine, ten dreams. And therefore you, have, you don't actually do any of them because there's so many of them, you're worried about making the decision that's the wrong one. And I think too often you kind of, you forego creating a good business because of your dream of creating an excellent business. And it's a feeling that never leaves you. So when I talk about the things that I've managed to do in my career, you know, like the highlights, I guess, wanted to be on kids telly, made it, wanted to do Saturday morning kids telly, did it, wanted to do Formula One, did it, live football presenting I was keen on, ended up with the Champions League final, wanted to create a production company, one of the you know biggest in the UK, wanted to create a podcast, this is high performance, it's been hugely successful. My brain actually says there's a million things I haven't done. Yeah. Um, it will always say that. So I think really the, the great message I think there from Will is that you do actually have to make a decision. You do actually have to put your energy behind some of your desires, but don't expect that those desires eventually disappear because I don't think they do. I just think you have to be really disciplined at not trying to do everything all of the time. And the other thing I like there about Will's answer is this idea of focusing on the process right rather than the outcome you know when you have a bunch of people at the beginning of an olympic final they've all got the same ambition which is to win the gold medal right the thing that determines who wins that gold medal is not the person with the biggest dream and the biggest ambition and the biggest will to win although that's probably important it's the person who's done the work who's got up early who's gone through the process who's done the struggles and the failures who knows more about their opponents than anybody else they're the one that's actually going to win that gold medal it's not the size of the dream, it's the size of the effort. And I think you can't skip that hard work when it comes to life or business. So on that first example there, where you've always got a million different things that you haven't done, how do you now determine where you're going to divert your energy and your focus? I think it was the conversation with Shane Parrish where he said there will always be urgent things that get in the way of the important things. 
So actually what you need to do, from my experience, from that conversation with Shane, is to decide what are the important things and make sure that the urgent things, which are sort of the daily things that come in that need an answer, that need immediately dealing with, that those things don't, don't derail the important. So you still have your sort of just three or four pillars. And I think the other thing is just a reminder that you're only one person, right? There's only so much you can do. So therefore it becomes about giving yourself the space to realise that not everything can be done at the same time. Brilliant. Should we listen to another clip? Yeah. When I was about 24 years old, I think I, I kind of felt like I had reached a moment of crisis in running the company. I was a 24-year-old CEO. I had maybe 25 people working for me. I had raised about $10 million from investors. And all of that felt completely overwhelming. And I felt like I was failing as a uh, as an entrepreneur and as a leader and and I just was overwhelmed with stress. I was drinking too much. Like I just did, I wasn't, I wasn't in sync. You know, I, I didn't feel like my, my body was well balanced and my mind was, was where it needed to be. And, and that led me to, to meditation where I, you know, really developed a, a, a daily practice and it, it really transformed uh, my life in a lot of ways positively. And it helped me uh, I think be more present. It helped me be more grateful. And then, you know, in the years to come, as we've got more and more successful, you know, going from the business being worth hundreds of millions of dollars to now uh, $3.6 billion, you know, just being able to, to appreciate that while also still staying motivated to keep charging. And, uh, and I think that sort of sense of balance came in large part from, from learning to meditate and and uh, and being a little bit more uh, present, I think I could second guess why that one was. Go on, have a guess. Well, I I know that you've spoken about having a moment of crisis at a similar age to Will. So yeah. I and even when we had that interview, I remember thinking, oh, I could see your eyes light up. Mm. But that balance, that constantly striving to keep the seesaw balanced, is a is a challenge. It is, and I think that. A lot of people who are in Will's position all make the same mistake, which is you lean into more work. So you're 24 years old, as he said. I mean, look, I can't even begin to imagine the sense of overwhelm when someone says your business is worth 3.6 billion. Now, I know that people listening to this will go, oh, fantastic, your business is worth 3.6 billion. Well, life is so much easier when things are worth nothing because you can take risks, you can back yourself, you can rely on gut instinct, you can make outlandish, bold decisions and people will come with you on the journey because you and they have nothing to lose. When your business is 3.6 billion, well, it's got to that point because you've got loads of investors, you've got loads of staff, you've got loads of customers, therefore you've got loads of pressure. So it's so hard then to make decisions. There's way less freedom when your business is worth billions of pounds, right, than when it's worth 500 quid. And so I think naturally to counter that, most people would go, I'm feeling overwhelmed, I'm feeling imposter syndrome, I'm feeling um, like I'm not good enough, therefore I'm going to work harder. And I think the great message to everyone listening to this is we all have that sense of overwhelm in various areas of our life. You know, this is not exclusive to, to founders and entrepreneurs and people with businesses worth a lot of money. But I think the great lesson for me from, from Will there is if you're feeling that sense of overwhelm, instead of trying to do more work to counteract it, try and do something the total opposite. Because that's really what he's talking about. Meditation is the total opposite of doing the work to build a huge business. 
Like how can meditating ever sort your business out? That's how the human brain would work, right? But of course it does because it gives him the counterpoint. It gives him the balance. It gives him the perspective. It gives him an opportunity to step away from the business. And I just think that's really good for all of our mental health. And it took me, you know, when I had a kind of crisis moment in my 20s, I struggled for two years till I finally sought some help. And that's a lost two years that you never get back. And the average amount of time that men struggle with their mental health for before they seek help is over two years. They're lost years, man. So there's a great message there to, to do the right thing when you're struggling rather than the wrong thing. And the right thing often is counterintuitive, which is a challenge. So let me ask you then, so, so what do you do that seems counterintuitive now when you feel those moments of overwhelm? Uh, not dissimilar to Will, but, the, the, like, but don't do anything. So I'll give you an example. On Friday, last week had been a really busy week and I still had 100 things on a to-do list. And on Friday, I took the kids to school, Harriet was out, I went, I got myself some toast, I went back to bed, laid in bed and watched two films back to back. And I just, I'm better now at knowing that that is a really good thing for me to do sometimes, is just fuck all. Because yeah. <laughs> then it allows you to rebuild and here we are, you know, four days later and yesterday was busy, today's busy, tomorrow's busy, but that's okay. Yep. Because of that, that shutdown. Brilliant. Should we listen to another one? Because I think there's so many uh, light bulb moments in Will's interview. Yeah. Do you really believe that anyone can be as successful as you, that they can build a business based really on passion, which is what you've created? Do you think that's there for anyone? I do. I think you have to be obsessed with a problem. I think you have to be willing to sacrifice an enormous amount. I think you have to be willing to overcome a uh, an incredible degree of, of pain and sort of personal uh, anxiety along the way. But look, you know, you can, you can build your, your dream job. You know, I think, I think building a business is much harder than you think it will be, but it's not nearly as hard as what everyone will tell you it is, which is to say that it's impossible. I remember when I was starting Whoop, it was everyone telling me I was going to fail and it was impossible. And frankly, it was a really hard, it was just really hard dealing with that. Like I put up a real wall to that feedback. And, uh, and the truth is it was just a lot harder, but it wasn't impossible. It's cool, isn't it? Because it's totally honest. Yeah. Um, and I think that I love what you said there at the beginning about the cost, the sacrifice. Like you do have to understand that there is a cost to doing this kind of stuff. You know, it is a different life if you just take a salary and you get paid at the end of the month. And I think one of the challenges when you first start out in business, and I bet Will felt this, and I certainly did, is that at the beginning you, you go for advice or for counsel or for conversations with people you know, but 99% of them are employees. And it doesn't take too long to realise that the mindset they have about life and business is totally different to yours. And then you actually have to seek out the right kind of people to, to heed advice from. And actually I think... Although it's really important in life to look for counterpoints and people with different opinions, I think in business and particularly entrepreneurship, looking for people that have done it before, that are in that world is really, really important because it is so difficult, but it isn't impossible. Where I slightly, I don't necessarily disagree with Will, but you know, he said it will be um, harder than you think, but not nearly as hard as everyone tells you it will be. Yeah. I actually feel a I feel like it's way harder than I ever imagined it would be. Okay. 
like I actually thought that building a business is something that is doable and achievable for for a lot of people but I think that that discounts luck and I think we have to be really careful to talk about that you know so I look at Whisper you know which has over 300 people and Sunil the CEO has done the most incredible job to grow that business to where yeah. it is today but I actually think if we did it again I don't think we would I don't actually think it would be as successful because we've been so lucky along the way and I don't know whether those breaks would come for us again. And so I'm always very wary about when we talk about something like Whoop. Like he would have had, Will would have just had amazing luck. And people who are successful see the things they've done as the actual answer, but it isn't necessarily that what you do as an entrepreneur when you're successful is the answer. It means it just worked for you, but it might not work for somebody else. Sure, and I can see how that... That brings a necessary humility to what you do. But when you say that, I think of that story you tell of where you went and sought out an advisor, mm. someone that you would have assumed was impossible or the door would have been shut and they wouldn't have been interested in it. But you made your own look to still go and knock on that door and ask, didn't you? Yeah, so that was a guy who was a like a senior CEO of some huge, bit, like some of the most recognisable businesses in in the in the UK. Yeah. And we, I went and knocked on his door and asked if he'd like to be on a board of directors for, for the group. And this is when we were tiny with about yeah, 10 yeah. members of staff. And I remember him saying, I couldn't be on a board of a business that size. But the fact you've actually come in the room and asked me that question, believing that I might say yes, tells me loads. So why don't I be um, a kind of a mentor for you and I'll work with you over the next few years and help you out. And, I, and that, was a really, that was a really nice moment. And I suppose it's a small indicator of how some people think maybe a little bit differently but also the power of optimism and how often have we spoken about particularly in business the power of optimism of thinking that great things are going to happen it is no guarantee that those things will happen but i do think it gets you closer to them happening and you know let's take will as the perfect example you know he's raised hundreds of millions of dollars for whoop you don't go into a fundraise of that size without believing you can do it and the only way that you believe other people, many of whom you've never met, are going to give you hundreds of millions of dollars for your business, the only way you believe they'll do that is if you're an optimist. So that in itself is the perfect example of the power of optimism. We've got one last clip that resonated with you. Let's listen to that and come back and explore what it meant. The thing that I've taken most um, from, from the, the world's best athletes personally is is just the general mindset that they have towards greatness. They, they do a, a phenomenal job um, staying present uh, in the sense that they are hyper-focused in the moment on being great. And they don't spend a lot of time really reflecting um, from a nostalgist standpoint. And in a way, it seems they're almost driven to a fault. And the ones who tend to be happiest in being driven to a fault also have some form of gratitude that they bring into their life. So they're simultaneously hungry and they're on that, you know, dopamine train of I need to win the next thing while also being grateful for their success. Why did that one? I think because it has two really important lessons. And I think the first lesson is this idea of the people that you surround yourself with having a genuine impact on your life and what Will's basically saying there actually is I created Whoop I managed to get it in the hands of some really famous athletes who are really successful and then I spent time with them to develop and improve the product 
and he has developed his kind of coat of arms, arms, if you like, as an entrepreneur from the lessons he's taken from those people. And it is, you know, what did Marcus Waring tell us when he joined us on the podcast, the chef, you hang around with shit, you'll turn into shit. It's, it's true. The people that you surround yourself with are so important to your overall mindset. And I'm sure you would agree that we can't possibly be the same people that started this podcast because of the hundreds of conversations we've had with high performers, in inverted commas, that have informed the way that we think, right? Yeah, well, just we've just finished an interview, haven't we, with the brain surgeon and uh, the first person to phone is my wife to pass on one of his pieces of Which wisdom. One? Which bit of advice? Um, that one around, um, he was talking about when you see the end in sight, sometimes you're stronger than you think you'll be. Mm. Nice, isn't it? Yeah, just, well, but again, you have to be a sponge, don't you, rather than a rock when it comes to these messages. Absolutely. So that was the first thing, the importance of who you surround yourself with. And I think the second important bit of information from that clip is that just because someone is a perceived high performer, it doesn't mean they have all the answers. And I really like the fact that Will is obviously able to take the really important lessons from these people, their approaches to life, their um, high standards, their non-negotiable behaviours, their total and utter commitment to their craft. But at the same time, he's like, well, it doesn't come for free. You know, there's, there's something about them that is painful and difficult. Are they actually the happiest people in the room? Nine times out of ten, they're not. So it is an understanding that you people are there for you to learn from and improve from spending time with, but also to remember that there are some things about their lived experience that you can also not replicate and not copy and and not do all over again because it wasn't great for them and it wouldn't be great for you. So it's just that reminder of talk to people, man. Ask everyone you meet a question because they all know something that you don't, whether it's something that you could add to your life or remove from your life. Which is almost a brilliant description of what this podcast is about, isn't it? And these reflections on the handpicked are exactly are doing exactly that. Yeah, I love them. So if you've loved listening to that, you can go and search it out. It's episode 86 in the High Performance Archive. But you can either click the link below and watch it, or you can go and search for it on the High Performance app. Until next time, we'll see you soon.